As Nathan said, we're going to start a, a series on the book of Revelation. We won't get through the whole book this year. Um, God willing, we'll come back to it next year. Uh, we're going to look at the first three chapters. Uh, but as Nathan pointed out, uh, Revelation is a book that's uh, challenging and so we need to embrace the challenge is what I would say. Uh, let's pray and ask that God will help us. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for trusting us with your word and we pray that as we engage with it today, you would speak to our hearts. We pray that you would cause us to be among those who hear your word and believe it and uh, and keep it, who, who obey your word and persevere in doing that. We pray all this uh, for the glory of your Son and in his name we pray. Amen. Well, Revelation. Um, John the Apostle, one of Jesus' disciples, was the author. Probably the last book of the, Old Te- the New Testament to be written. Uh, some people think it may have been written much earlier, but most scholars believe it was probably written in the last century, the last decade of the first century, 95 AD or thereabouts. Now, I've had many experiences of the book of Revelation, some parallel what Nathan talked about before. When I started my teaching career in Nil, um, word got around that I was religious, and so I had these three boys who came up to me after a year nine graphics lesson one day, and they said, you're religious, aren't you, Mr Messer? I said, that's right. Um, they said, what's this number of the beast? And so Iron Maiden was a heavy metal band that was very popular at that time and these kids had heard the album The Number of the Beast and they liked the ghoulish sort of cover and all that sort of thing. It appealed to Year 9 boys, so they wanted to know what it was about. And they had the idea that, that Revelation... or that Well, they didn't know anything about Revelation. I had to try to tell them a little bit. But they had, it, they had the idea that it was sort of full of, of horrible things. Well, a lot of Christians have that idea as well. And so last year I was talking to a pastor and his wife and he said to me, what are you preaching through at the moment? And I said, Revelation. And his wife says, ooh, scary. Well, is that the effect that the book's supposed to have? Is it a, sort of a Christian horror story? Um, I talked to another pastor once and he told me, you can't preach Revelation. How about that? But I was asked to lead a Bible study uh, for a group of young, young people a few years ago and they asked me to do a study on Revelation. So my first question was, why do you want to study Revelation? And so one of the young boys there says, we want to see how things end up. And so people have the idea that Revelation is a kind of a roadmap to the future. And if you have the right key, you'll be able to read the newspaper and be able to say, oh, that's that bloke in Revelation 15. Now, I'd like to suggest that's probably not how to read Revelation at all. I want to tell you this. I believe that Revelation is a part of God's word, no more or no less than any one of the other 65 books. 66 books make up the Bible. It's all God's word. Uh, And I believe like every aspect, every part of God's word, it must have meant something to the people who first received it. And our understanding of any part of God's word must be bound up in what it meant to them because it will never mean to us what it couldn't have meant to them. Now, can you get that? It will never mean to us what it couldn't have meant to them. So why did people keep Revelation, copy it and copy it and copy it, hand it on and pass it round, if it was a book that was just a roadmap to a distant future of which they had no inkling? I think it must have meant something to them and our understanding of it will be bound up in that. I heard of another man, an elder of a church, a friend of mine reported this conversation and he said in this conversation that he wished books like Leviticus and Revelation weren't in the Bible. How about that? Just too tough. Well, I believe that all scripture is inspired by God 
It's breathed out by God, profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be equipped, complete and equipped for every good work. That's my conviction. I trust it's the conviction that binds us together here at MAFRA. Every part of God's word is useful. And so we're going to have to work out the usefulness of the book of Revelation, and I think it can be done. Now, Vern Poitras is an American commentator, and he has some very interesting things to say. He tells some stories at the beginning of his commentary on Revelation, and he says once he was preaching it to a church, and he says oh, he spoke to the kids. He said, I want you children to read Revelation too. If you are too young to read it for yourself, have your parents read it to you. You too can understand it. In fact, you may understand it better than your parents, he said. And after church, a 12-year-old boy came up to him and said, I know exactly what you mean. A short time ago, I read Revelation and I felt that I understood it. I read it just like a fantasy, except that it's true. So this kid had been reading fantasy novels and he knew that fantasy novels communicate their, their information through pictures, through ideas. And so he read it that way, but he knew it was God's word and he believed it was true. Revelation 1 to, th- 1, 1 to 3, let's read it please. Uh, turn up the book of Revelation, chapter 1, uh, and the first three, well, actually the first three and a half verses. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy, and blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written, for the time is near. John to the seven churches that are in Asia. We'll leave it there for now. We will pick it up in other times. Vern Poitras says you can sum up the message of the book of Revelation in one sentence, and it's this. God rules history and will bring it to its consummation in Christ. That's what Revelation is about. God is... We've, we've heard this morning, we've, we've sung, we've heard people pray about God's sovereignty. That means he's king. He's in charge. This is his world. This is his universe. He's in charge and things happen according to his rule. God rules history and will bring it to its consummation in Christ. That's what Revelation is about. Uh, It's a message which is revealed, not concealed. Now, the way a lot of people talk about Revelation, they'd have you believe that there's some secret code and you've got to go to some expensive course or buy some book or tape series or something like that before you'll get the picture. But this is a message that was revealed to John for his readers. It wasn't hidden away, it wasn't concealed. It's written for Christ's servants. Are we Christ's servants? We've been working our way through Isaiah. If you remember the story of Isaiah, there is a servant, that's the Lord Jesus, who came to give his life as a ransom for many. But those who follow him, who believe in him, those who come to God through him, are his servants. So yes, we're servants of Christ. So we're included in the readership of the book of Revelation. Now John says that these are things that, uh, that will happen soon. Because the people who are receiving these words need to be prepared. The people who received them in the first place were going to find the fulfilment of these words in their life. They needed to be prepared for things that were soon to take place. But there's a promise in these first three verses. People who read it and people who hear it and keep it will be blessed. Do you want to be blessed by God? 
just a, a, a wee nod of affirmation. <laughs> it would be a good thing to be in a, pl- a position where you were putting yourself where God could bless you, wouldn't it? Right, then read the book of Revelation and hear it and keep it. Right? We all want to be blessed by God. We're going to think a bit more about that in a moment. First of all, we need to realise that Revelation is an immensely practical book. It's not for weirdos. It's not for super scripture nerds. It's for Christians living ordinary lives so that they'll be equipped to face the challenges that will inevitably come wherever they are. I'd actually love to preach this in in Indonesia. I first preached Revelation the year I got back from Indonesia and once I'd come to grips with the book a little bit, and I'm still working on it, I thought I really would love to teach this in Indonesia to see what they make of it stripping away all the Western civilization stuff that sometimes we get caught up in. Vern Poistrus tells a story about a group of Bible college students who were finishing a basketball game and they noticed the, the cleaner sitting in the corner of the gymnasium and they went over and they said to him, what are you doing? And he says, I'm reading. And they said, what are you reading? He said, the Bible. Now, these are Bible college students. And they said to him, which bit? He said, Revelation. And they said, do you understand it? He said, yes. They said, what does it mean? And his answer was, Jesus is going to win. (laughs) He got revelation. They thought they were going to give him a quick lecture, but they realised he got there ahead of them. He already understood the message of revelation. God is in control and Jesus is going to win. So these three verses that we've looked at give us what God wants his people to know. First thing about the victory of Jesus. Keep, Keep your Bible open and have a look at it. Uh, It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now that word revelation in Greek is the word that we get the English word apocalypse from. The Greek word is apocalypsis. Now, this is a word that's very often misunderstood. Uh, I first became aware of the word apocalypse when this film came out in the 1970s, Apocalypse Now. Did anybody hear hear of this one or see it? Um, A a famous film about the Vietnam War, Apocalypse Now, right? Um, If you Google, which I did, Um, apocalypse uh, put it into google images this is the first picture that turns up a picture of a ruined city if you if you want to know how any bible word is used or some of them anyway just type it into google news and see where it's been used lately the word apocalypse always has to do with death destruction and the end of the world the greek word apocalypse does not mean any of those things right please remember this the greek word apocalypse does not mean destruction devastation the end of the world in which zombies will live it does not mean that what it does mean is to reveal something now the the word apocalypse is used throughout the bible simply to say something's been made clear right so think of it like this the stage curtains go back and what can you see everything that's about to take place on the stage the greek word apocalypse whenever it's used means this to reveal or to uncover fully something that was previously unknown or only partially known, incompletely known. That's what it means. It does not and never does mean the end of the world. It means to reveal something, to make it clear, right? That's what the book of Revelation is about. It's a revelation. In fact, it's its first word. The first word of the book is, I'm going to clear up some things that have been hidden for a while. Now, of course, we use the word reveal all the time. Do you watch the block? I don't, but I'm aware of it. 
but I know that they have room reveals. So these people slave away at their different rooms and eventually they'll, they'll advertise it on the telly tonight, the kitchen reveal, right? So it's been a closely guarded secret what all the different people have done, but then on this particular night they're going to reveal it so everybody can see it. I googled the other day sensational revelations and one of the very earliest ones that came up uh, was an article from the Australian newspaper on the 12th of August what the FBI found at Mar-a-Lago is set to be revealed. President Donald Trump's had his home invaded, raided and they wanted to take stuff out to tell what's been going on. When we talk about something being revealed we mean we make it known. That's what revelation is about. It's making known God's purposes for the world. So, God wants his people to know about the victory of Jesus. If you look at it there, we see that the revelation of Jesus Christ, that means it's from Jesus and it's about him. So he's the one who delivers the message, but the message is him. So revelation is from and about Jesus Christ. Now, we need to think about Christ because we use that word a lot. Christ is not Jesus' surname. My surname is Messer, Steve Messer, right? Jesus' name was Jesus, son of Joseph, from Nazareth. That's his name. Christ is not his surname, it's his title. Now, Christians have got to get their heads around this because I hear other people talking about religion and they say, oh, there's the Buddha and there's the Christ. Well, when you're saying Jesus is the Christ, you're making a very profound confession about who he is because when he was alive and on earth up until the crucifixion, He was Jesus of Nazareth. He was the carpenter's son. He was a homeless man who went around teaching and healing. He was revealed to be Jesus Christ by being raised from the dead. So when you call Jesus Christ, you're actually acknowledging him as someone quite extraordinary. To call him the Christ means that he's the fulfiller of all of the Old Testament expectations about a super king who would come one day to free God's people. So we see various people being anointed in the Old Testament. There's a very famous story of young David being anointed to be the next king of Israel. The word Christ, you've probably heard this before, but I'm going to say it again. The word Christ is the Greek way of saying the Hebrew word Messiah which means someone who has been anointed. So the king was God's Messiah. Any time they were anointed to be the king, the word that was used was Messiah. The Greek way of saying that is Christ. To say that Jesus is the Christ is to say he's the one that the prophets were looking ahead to who will rule better than King David ever did. The Jewish people were waiting, waiting, waiting for hundreds of years because they believed the words of the prophets that God would send a super king, one who would put all that was wrong right. To call Jesus the Christ is to say that God has declared him to be the Christ, the king, the coming one, the anointed, because he was crucified and because he was raised from the dead. And where is he now? He's reigning. We sang it before. Jesus is now seated at the right hand of God, reigning over the entire entire universe. Is Jesus your king? I hope he is. When a king has servants, they need to do what the king says. The book of Revelation is written from the king to the servants to remind them of how they need to live.
while they wait for him to return and take his throne on earth. That's what Revelation's about. Well, the revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his his angel to his servant John. There's a bit of a, a chain of command here. God gave his message to Jesus Christ, who gave it to his angel, who gave it to John to pass on to his servants. The the message has its origin in the mind of God. God gave the message to his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. John passed it on through an angel to John, the apostle, who passed it on to Christ's servants. The original ones and those of us who are getting it now. Is that clear? That's the chain of command. So God wants us to know about the witness of John and the witness that we're called to as well. John who bore witness, that's his testimony, that's who I am. I'm the one who bore witness to Jesus, to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw. Notice that he saw saw this, he saw the revelation, it's a vision. So he was granted visions that enabled him to understand the world. Now notice there that John bears witness about the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. It means virtually the same thing. What is the testimony of Jesus Christ? It means to talk about Jesus and to talk about the things that Jesus talked about. What's the word of God? Well, that is Jesus and that's the message that Jesus came to preach. So John is saying, this is what I've devoted my life to. I am someone who witnessed Jesus, the word of God, as he preached, as he healed. But John was there when he was crucified. And John was the second of the male witnesses to see Jesus' empty grave. So John says, this is what I have devoted my long years to, to bearing witness to Jesus the Christ, the crucified, risen and ascended one, the word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. So John has been allowed to see incredible pictures that are not meant to frighten us. They're meant to reassure us that the victory of God won on the cross and through the empty grave is something that every Christian can walk in confidence in. Have you got any challenges in your life at the moment? Is God equal to them? How do you know he's equal to them? Because he fought and overcame the greatest challenge that can ever be, death. God raised Jesus from the dead and he's the first of many who will be raised from death to a glorious new life. When we call Jesus Christ, we're declaring him to be the crucified, risen, ascended, reigning and returning one. Whatever you're facing, the book of Revelation will steal your soul to face it with confidence. Because the vision that John saw was to enable him to understand the complete victory of Jesus. Victory over even the worst of human circumstances. And so John must bear witness and he's calling others to bear witness as well. Notice that he calls himself the servant and he calls them servants. So John's putting himself on a level with with the people he's writing to. Now, what does it mean to witness? Well, if you go to court and, and are asked to be a witness, you need to tell what you've seen, what you've heard, and what you've come to understand. Do you know anything about Jesus? Have you heard anything? Have you believed anything about him? It's like this man that came to see Esther. 
He'd given up believing. But then he gets to Hohidii and he hears that the mission's about Jesus. He goes, right. And something hit him in the head and he says, it is real. One word of witness from Esther brought this back this man back out of 30 years of wilderness experience what does it mean to witness about jesus it just means to say this is what he's done to me this is what he's done for me you don't have to go to college to witness for jesus you don't have to have degrees you don't even need to know very much you just need to be sure that he's done something for you and then you tell people about it and you trust the results to god that's what john was called on to do to be a witness to what he'd seen heard and believed about jesus what had he seen and he heard he was there when jesus was crucified he was there when jesus was raised so he tells people i saw him die and i've seen him i've eaten with him he's alive that's his witness and he passes that on so other people will believe it and they'll witness about it too witnessing is not complex you don't have to do courses about it you can if you want to but you don't have to being a witness you don't do a course before you go to court you just say this is what i saw this is what i heard this is what i believe that's to be a witness about jesus well how to be blessed the third dimension of this uh, little reading what god wants his, his people to know blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and who keep it for the time is near that's the first of seven blessings in the book of revelation revelation is incredibly carefully written there's all sorts of patterns and repetition in there but seven times throughout the book of revelation you'll read things that god promises to bless all the way through but here's the first of them there's a blessing for reading it there's a blessing for hearing it there's a blessing if you keep it right now when they say read it back in those days that meant read it aloud but these days we can read it ourselves so if revelations ever struck you as being just a bit too difficult then you're skipping the blessing if you say i'll read it sometime or i think it's just too hard i'll leave that for the eggheads right now read the book of revelation and plead with god to help you understand it because he will right so read it because you want to be blessed now what does it mean to be blessed it means you're in a privileged favorable condition Uh, john carson the american scholar says it's almost like saying congratulations right read revelation congratulations hear revelation congratulations keep revelation the book of revelation is a book to be obeyed now all through the um so there's a blessing for reading there's a blessing for hearing it there's a there's a blessing for listening to it and obeying it in leviticus 22 right throughout the old testament people don't just hear the commandments of god they're meant to do them And, and that's another way of saying do is to keep them keep my commandments and do them says god well in the new testament in the book of james james says do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves do what it says so when you read revelation you're not just reading it as a road map as a curiosity so you can read about all these weird dragons and monsters you're reading it because you want to be blessed by god by keeping his word and obeying it that's why we read revelation so revelation tells he's going to tell us what god wants his people to know he's revealed these things to us about how to be blessed blessing comes from hearing believing and persevering and this is urgent for the time is near now what does that mean it's the time spoken of by daniel so nathan read daniel 2 for us before and if you read it if you heard it and and listened to it carefully um, daniel comes and speaks to king nebuchadnezzar about a dream he's had about this four-stage statue head of gold and 
and so on, all the way down to feet of iron and clay. And he says, King Nebuchadnezzar, this is four kingdoms. And in the time of the last kingdom, the kingdom that's represented by feet of iron and clay, God's going to set up a kingdom that's going to destroy the whole lot and God's kingdom will never pass away. It will always exist. So King Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom gave way to the Persians, who gave way to the Greeks, who gave way to the Romans. In the time of the Roman kingdom, God entered the world in the person of the Lord Jesus, who was crucified on a Roman cross. That's how God's kingdom starts. By the Son of God, the Messiah, the Anointed One, the Christ, being crucified, but then being raised again. Now Daniel said these things will happen in the latter days, in other words, after this. Latter days is just a term that means somewhere in the future. We're not quite sure when. But what was latter days to Daniel was now for John. Because John's seen Jesus crucified, he's seen him raised, and he's convinced that the mission of Jesus has begun the fulfilment of all that God has promised. So Revelation is John's way of saying all that Daniel predicted is now coming to pass. The kingdom that God would set up is coming. What for Daniel was the latter days or after this is now at hand. That's what Jesus said in Mark 1. When he began preaching, he says, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe. The book of Revelation is written because time is about to get very tough for the people who received it. They need to hear these things and be convinced of them so they'll have the strength to endure times of dreadful persecution. The kingdom that was seen by Daniel has come and is still coming. So Jesus' death and resurrection have brought the kingdom near. Daniel's latter days are in the New Testament called the last days. You read that in Acts chapter 2 in Hebrews 1 and 1 John 2. What was latter days for Daniel is now last days. We're in the last days. I was talking to someone last week talking about Ukraine. She said, Steve, do you think we're in the last days? I said, of course we are. We've been in them since Acts 2. The the last days are not some ill-defined period at the end. We're in them. We have been because Jesus was crucified, raised from the dead. He's ascended to heaven. He's reigning. All that we're waiting for is him to return. We have been in the last days since the day of Pentecost. Read Acts 2 if you don't believe me. So the kingdom's now but not yet. It's begun but it's to be consummated. It's come but it's coming. Uh, Revelation is an urgent call to to hear, to believe and to obey. It's a call to patient endurance. That's a phrase that turns up a number of times. Jesus said, late in his ministry, to the disciples, he said, I've said these things to you that in me you may have peace. In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart. I've overcome the world. The book of Revelation, it's almost like it's an expanded commentary on John's words in uh, and Jesus words in John 16 in this world you will have tribulation tribulation is just a three-syllable way of saying trouble in this world you will have trouble of various kinds but Jesus says take heart I've overcome the world how did Jesus overcome the world by dying and rising again and so he wants his people to overcome as well so Revelation's about the victory of Jesus. It's about the witness that John has to bear and that Jesus' people have to bear. And it's how to be blessed, even in a world that's so desperately troubled. That's what it's about. 
Does that sound good? Does that sound like a message you want to take to heart and take home? It should. I'm going to skip a couple of things here. I want to just move along to this. Back in 1998, you remember the terrible Sydney to Hobart yacht race? Do you remember that? Dreadful. If you're new to Australia, every Boxing Day, yachts set out from Sydney Harbour to go to Hobart down in Tasmania. And uh, it's a pretty dangerous race. But this year, every one of the people heading out of the Sydney heads for that, that big race knew that they were heading into a terrible storm. And not one of them turned back. And yet the storm was worse than anybody had predicted. It was a superstorm. It hit right where Bass Strait and the Tasman Sea joined. And there were mountainous waves and lots of boats sank. And quite a number of men died. And there was heroic rescues from helicopters and so on. I think that is a picture of life. And I think it's a picture of what the book of Revelation is designed to achieve. Jesus says, in this world, you will have trouble. Yet, do we want to just leave it at that and sort of squib out and, and, and fall away? No. The storm clouds are coming. They're already here in many respects. The storm was terrible and it cost lives. But if you didn't go through the storm, you wouldn't get to the harbour. Every one of those sailors who set out wanted to get up the Derwent River. If you want to see yourself safely to the heavenly harbour, then you need to listen to the book of Revelation because it's going to help you understand the present victory of Jesus who has overcome the world through dying and rising again. He's reigning and will equip you with the courage to be able to face whatever challenges are coming to you so that you can face the storms of life and find your place in his heavenly eternal kingdom of peace and rest. That's the message of the book of Revelation. If you want to sum it up really easily, the lamb wins. Or you could say the lamb has won. The, The victory that's to come is anchored in the victory that's already been won because Jesus was crucified, died and was raised. That's Revelation. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask that you would uh, cement these things in our hearts and cause us to believe them and to cherish them, and we pray that you would help us to greatly profit from studying the book of Revelation together in the next little while. So bless us as we read it, uh, as we hear it, and please grant us uh, your grace to help us obey it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.